You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I want to be completely honest with you today. My mentors are here, family members, friends, people I care about. I want to be completely honest with you today. And the fact is, I'm scared. I'm not going to lie. I'm scared to be up here today. I'm scared and overwhelmed to be the pastor of my church. And to be honest, I'm scared of our recent success that we've had. And most importantly, I'm scared that we could become another sermon illustration, another sad case, another statistic. You know what I'm talking about, where the Lord is blessing a ministry, there's so much potential there, people are on fire for God. And for some reason or another, whether by means of liberal theology, some wicked temptation or burnout, the pastor fails. He gets out of the ministry. He doesn't stay faithful. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. That scares me. That really does. Because God did not call us to be successful. He called us to be faithful. And the jury is still out on whether or not me or, or my church is going to be faithful. We're one year in. I have no idea, and that's really a scary thought to think about. You know, and and people may say, well, you just lay hold of the promises of God. Weren't you listening to Brother Silas' message, right? Listen to the promises of God, and you'll be good. And you're right. I find comfort in the promises of God, right? Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, right? That comforts me. I find hope in that. That encourages me. But I also know preachers and churches who I greatly respected that did not remain faithful, You see, the fact is, the majority of Christians, if you think about it, they struggle with remaining faithful. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse 6, a faithful man who can find? Who can find a man who is faithful? And throughout the entirety of the Bible, we're given the answer to that question. And it's not many. For instance, in the Old Testament, only five people are given the title of faithful. Did you know that? Daniel, Hananiah, Moses, Samuel... And Abraham, five people. In the New Testament, only eight were given the title of faithful. Lydia, Timothy, Paul, Tychicus, Epaphras, Onesimus, Silvanus, and Antipas. Only 13 people in the entire Bible. Now, I know there are other people in the Bible that would be considered faithful that wasn't given that title, but I still find it interesting. The point is, not many people are faithful to the end. And for that reason, the message that I'm preaching today is primarily for me. If you gain encouragement from it, fantastic. But this message is a message that I need more than ever. And that brings our text, us to our text this morning. So open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 7 and 8 today. It's a text that you know very well. This is the Apostle Paul's final letter to Timothy before he's martyred for the faith. It's the Apostle Paul's last will and testament. It's Paul's swan song, if you will. It's his farewell letter. And he was writing to Timothy to encourage him to remain faithful just as he was faithful. And we see his powerful words in verses 7 and 8 of our text. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, 
and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much for these church planners with a heart for you, a heart to share the gospel. I thank you for every single person here, Lord. Lord, I pray that you help them realize how much I love them how much they mean to me, and I pray you help them realize how much you mean to them uh, and the, the call and the plan that you have for their life, Lord. I, I pray that you just help us be encouraged and help us leave today on fire for God with a passion to serve you, with a passion to remain faithful. Lord, we love you so much. Move in a mighty way in today's message and the rest of the conference. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Apostle Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Now, if you were to ask me to make a list of the top 10 most powerful verses in all the Bible, I really think this one would make the cut. Right? 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, that would be on the list. Because it's here that we see the words of an old warrior about to cross over. We're listening to the last words of a seasoned soldier at the end of his fight. The Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And whenever I read those verses, I can't help but think of some other famous last words of some heroes of our faith. What did they have to say? I think of the last words of D.L. Moody. He said this. He said, earth recedes, heaven opens before me. It is beautiful. If this is death, it is sweet. This is my triumph. This is my coronation day. I've been looking forward to it for years. That sounds like the words of a faithful soldier, amen? Well, how about the words of David Brainerd? What did he have to say? Well, he wrote this in a letter to his brother. He said, I declare now, I am dying. I would not have spent my life otherwise for the whole world. There is nothing in the world worth living for but doing good and finishing God's work. Doing the work that Christ did. Sounds like someone who is faithful. Right? Well, what about the last words of a soldier in the midst of the battle? Right at the heat of it, right in the middle of the persecution, right in the middle of the trials, what would those last words look like? Well, we see that when we look at the last words of the great reformer, John Huss. John Huss was burned at the stake for preaching the gospel. And right before the flames reached his body, he cried out these words. He said, what I taught with my lips, I now seal with my blood. Lord, I commend my spirits unto you. And then we see the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as he hung there on the cross when all had been fulfilled, he lifted up his voice and he said, to tell us die, it is finished. You see, it, it's powerful to hear a person's last words, right? It really is. They carry with it unique significance. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we see the final words of a seasoned soldier. A soldier that is now ready to be offered. A soldier whose life on this earth is about to end. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's some powerful stuff. It really is. But to truly grasp the magnitude of his final words, we need to understand who he's talking to. Right? Because depending on who you're talking to, your last words are going to be different. The last words that I say to my wife are going to be different than the last words I would say to Brother Jet. Now, I love Brother Jet, right? And I love my wife, but I love him in two different ways. And if I ever talk to Brother Jet the way that I talk to my wife, then we got a problem, right? Depending on who you're talking to, your last words are going to be different. 
And we know the Apostle Paul had a specific person in mind because of what he said in the verse prior, in verse 5. In verse 5, he says, but watch thou in all things. It's singular. The Apostle Paul was saying this to a particular person. And we know who that was, right? It's Timothy, his protege, his mentee, his dearly beloved son in the faith. And when we look at that text in light of its background, man, it holds a much deeper meaning. You see, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we are given the last words of a seasoned soldier being written to a scared soldier. A young soldier in Timothy. A man who is timid, tepid, somewhat inexperienced, struggles with confidence issues at times, and is about to lose his mentor. A scared soldier, but a soldier nonetheless. A soldier who was scared of the ministry that he was in. Now you could say, Michael, how do you know that's the case? How do you know that he's worried about ministry? How do you know that, that Timothy is scared here? Well, based on what was said in 2 Timothy chapter 1. You see, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Did you know that that was in the context of ministry? In the verse before, it mentions stirring up the gift that was in him. The talent that he had in regard to ministry. In the verse after, in verse 8, it deals with not being ashamed of our Lord Jesus Christ. Both revolve around ministry. One focuses on the pastorates. The other has to do with persecution. It seems to me that Timothy was fearful. Here we see a man pastoring people much older than him. And the pressure of the persecution from the outside and perhaps the undermining of his authority on the inside, obviously from the language of Paul's writings, was starting to get to Timothy. It was starting to make Timothy worry. It was making him feel inadequate. It was making him feel unworthy. It was scaring him. This was a man fearful of doing what God called him to do. Have you ever felt that way before? Dude, I have. Dude, I'm scared out of my mind to be up here right now. I really am. I'm scared to pastor my church. I'm overwhelmed. Right? I'm fearful to, to, to take the, the, the church plant and, and to start a church and to share with people uh, the glorious gospel message of Jesus Christ. That stuff scares me. I'm scared of doing what God called me to do. And that's where Timothy was at. And so the Apostle Paul is, is saying to Timothy here, hey, I'm done. I've ran my race. I can't cheer you on anymore. I can't help you out anymore. I am going to die. And this is my last piece of advice for you. Remain faithful. Stay committed. Timothy, be faithful. And from 2 Timothy chapter 1 all the way to 2 Timothy chapter 4, that's really what he deals with. He deals with remaining faithful. And it's interesting, if you read this epistle, you find out the Apostle Paul doesn't hold anything back. No, he lays it all out on the line. And he did this because he recognized the seriousness of soldiering. He recognized that there was a battle going on. A spiritual war between heaven and hell, between darkness and light, Brother Nance. And he recognized that God needs faithful soldiers. And so Paul gives instruction after instruction after instruction to Timothy like a commanding officer would to one of his soldiers. He's told to be a fighter, to be an athlete, to endure hardness like a good soldier, to be a farmer. 
He asks Timothy to take the lead in his church planning ministry. And then to top it all off, Paul gives Timothy a charge to preach in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Even more instructions on this guy. He's told to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. He's told to watch thou in all things, to endure afflictions, to do the work of an evangelist, and to make full proof of thy ministry. That's a lot to throw at one guy. Put yourself in timid Timothy's shoes for a second. Think about what's going on through this guy's brain. If I'm Timothy and I'm trying to embody all of these emotions going through my mind right about now, I'm probably cowering in an office somewhere in the fetal position, right? Thinking to myself, you know, I can't face these people. I can't succeed the Apostle Paul. I, I can't live up to their expectations. I can't pastor these people. I'm stressed to the max as is. Doesn't Paul know that my plate is full? How am I going to do this? This is too big for me. I'm not capable. I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm in over my head. I am going to fail. That's what I think Timothy was thinking. Because that's what I think. That's where I'm at right now. And it scares me. But I love how the Apostle Paul works. You see, it's almost as if the Apostle Paul had a game plan in mind when writing this letter. A strategy in place in order to elevate Timothy from fearful to faithful. Because after he gives Timothy this long list of instructions, he then changes shift. He changes theme. And he starts to provide Timothy with reasons for faithfulness. And that's what I want to look at for the remainder of our message today. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8, we are given three reasons why we, as well as Timothy, can move from being a fearful soldier to a faithful soldier. And I want to look at that today. The first reason is this. We can be faithful today. We can be faithful to the finish. Number one, because the Apostle Paul was faithful. If the Apostle Paul could do it, so could we, right? Timothy, you don't need to fear. I did it, right? I was faithful to the end, and so can you. You know, and oftentimes we tend to fault Timothy, right? We tend to fault him for being fearful. We look down on him for being scared. But if you look at his situation at face value, Timothy really had every reason to be. He absolutely did. At this time, the persecution of Christians was at an all-time high. Nero was on a rampage throwing pastors in prison left and right. And at a spiritual standpoint, the issues just kept coming. There was a divide among Christians on whether or not to conform to secular society or to stand for God's word. And, and many of Timothy's friends, colleagues, and brothers and sisters in Christ were either departing from the faith entirely or fleeing to a more culturally appropriate sect. Paul mentions some of those names in 2 Timothy. Timothy had every reason to be scared. The church that he loved seemed to be crumbling. The old time way seemed to look like a thing of the past. There was reason to fear. But the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying, hey, you can be faithful because I was faithful. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And so can you. And we discover that Paul was faithful in several ways in verse 7. We find out first off he was faithful to the fight. All right, look what he says to start. He says, I have fought a good fight. Amen. That word fought means to engage 
in conflict. And it represents that of a Roman soldier. Paul is comparing himself to a Roman soldier here. And he's saying, just as Roman soldiers endured hardness, that's what I did. I endured hardness like a good soldier. And if you study the life of Paul, you find out that he did just that. We find out that Paul fought with wild beasts. He fought with lions. He endured three shipwrecks. He had a long prison record for preaching the gospel. He had 195 stripes laid on his back. And he had been stoned and left for dead. Dude, that's not even including the emotional and spiritual battles that this guy went through. Right? Just the physical there. The Apostle Paul endured hardness like a good soldier. He was faithful to the fight. But then we also see he was faithful to the faith. Right? The verse says, I have kept the faith. The Apostle Paul didn't compromise the word of God. Right? He stood true to, to the teachings of God's word. Even when Gnosticism was making a comeback and, and legalism was, was taken over. Paul didn't waver. Paul stayed true. Even when Peter compromised and refused to eat with the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul didn't waver. The Apostle Paul told him off. The Bible says he withstood him to the face. Right? He was faithful to the face. The faith. The Apostle Paul didn't let culture dictate his beliefs. No, he let the word of God do that. Right? He was faithful to the faith. He was faithful to the fights. And then number three in my favorite, dude, he was faithful to the finish. Right? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Throughout his life, Paul remained true. From the moment of his conversion to the receiving of his crown, Paul remained faithful. Throughout the persecutions, the trials, and the difficulties that was on this guy, he did not waver. And that's exactly what we see in our text. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, he says, I was faithful to the end. I did it. There's a crown of righteousness waiting for me. But then he goes on to describe some of the trials that he went through and some of the current trials that he's dealing with. He says that his friend Demas has forsaken him, having loved this present world. Verse 10. Alexander the coppersmith did him much evil. Luke is the only one with him at this time. That's a lot. And then in verse 16, he describes what occurred in his first imprisonment. At the first time. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, at my first answer, no man. Stood with me, but all men forsook me. Paul was deserted. There were times where he had nobody. Have you ever felt like that before in the ministry? It can be hard, like he said, with independent Baptists, especially in the rural ministries. Dude, if I didn't have Elk Point 15 minutes away, it would be overwhelming. It, it would be hard, right? Sometimes we can feel all alone in the middle of all of that. That's what the Apostle Paul dealt with time and time again. He felt alone. But in spite of that, he remained faithful. He was faithful to the end. But how was that? How did the Apostle Paul able to do that? I'm sitting here looking at his situation, and I don't think there's any way I can do it. I'm having a hard time right now, and I'm being blessed. How, how, can, I, how can I handle situation in the middle of the trials? Well, that brings me to my second point. We can be faithful because Paul was faithful. But we can also be faithful because God is faithful. Yeah. Paul was able to be faithful to God because God was faithful to him. Paul was a faithful soldier because God is a faithful savior. And that's what we see in chapter 4. Let's continue reading, all right? Verse 16, he says, no man stood with me. I went through trials. I went through forsaking. I went through all of these things. 
And then look at verse 17. The Bible says, notwithstanding, nevertheless, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Even though everyone had forsaken him, God remained faithful. And then we see his confidence moving forward. Right, We see his, his confidence in the promises of God, Brother Silas. Right, look, look at verse 18 now. He says, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right, Timothy, are you scared today? Look to a faithful God. Right, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look to Jesus. Look to God. God is faithful. And man, I love how the Lord works. You see, not only is God a faithful God, and not only do we see that time and time again, the Bible says in Isaiah he's clothed in faithfulness, but there are actually some characteristics of God's faithfulness that enable us to be faithful. One commentator said there are 36 aspects of God's faithfulness that enable us to be faithful. I'm not going to look at all 36 today, but we're going to look at some fun ones, all right? Some cool ones, some hallelujah ones, right? How about this? God is faithful and is providing. That's the first one. Great verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it, right? God has provided us a way to escape any temptation that comes our way. Dude, are you struggling with temptations in the ministry? Struggling with, with throwing in the towel, waving that white flag? Temptations to get cynical about the ministry, about yourself, or about your congregation. Hey, God has provided us a way to escape every single one of those things. We can remain faithful. He's faithful in his providing. That's a fun one. But what about this? His pardoning. His forgiving. Right? Another great verse, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, if we confess our sins to God, he will forgive us instantly. He will forgive us freely. He will forgive us completely. And he will forgive us permanently. I don't know about you, but that pumps me up. Hey, there's going to be some times where I slip up in the ministry. There's going to be some times where I sin. There's going to be some times where I make mistakes. And I'm so glad I serve a God that says, if you confess and forsake, I will forgive. Praise the Lord. God is faithful in his providing. God is faithful in his pardoning. But then we see in 2 Timothy that he's also faithful in his calling. He's faithful in the context of soldiering. Turn back a couple pages to 2 Timothy chapter 2. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, hey, Paul said, I, I was a faithful soldier of the cross. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I was a faithful soldier. But we're told to do the exact same thing in 2 Timothy 2. 2. Look what the Bible says there in verse 3. We see that word thou again. <laughs> the Bible says, thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He doesn't just tell us to be a good soldier. He says to endure hardness. That lets us know that, man, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be some trials in the ministry. There's going to be some enduring that needs to take place in the ministry. It's going to be hard, right? Endure hardness. But how do we do that? How can I be a faithful soldier? How can I endure hardness like the Apostle Paul? How can I do this? Let's look at verse 4. 
reflecting on verse 4. Look what the Bible says there. He says, endure hardness like a good soldier. That's a command. But then we see God's providing. Right? The Bible says, no man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life. Ready for this? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Hey, we've been chosen to be a soldier of the cross. Hey, I have been chosen to be a good soldier of the cross in that small town of Akron, Iowa. And you have been chosen to be a soldier wherever God has placed you. And this is a holy calling that we have. Right? It's a calling that we have. And man, let's rejoice about that. Hey, I have been chosen to be a soldier. And in order for us to endure hardness, that's really what we need to do. Reflect on our calling. When's the last time you thought about the day you answered the call? The day you surrendered. I'll never forget my day. I was 15 years old. I surrendered to preach at Silver State Baptist Youth Camp. And I can assure you today I was not planning to surrender to preach that week. I went for one reason and one reason only. The beautiful Baptist females. Right? That's why I went. I went for the ladies. Can I get an amen? Right? I got no amens. That's terrible. That's awful. But that's why I went. I'm ashamed to say. My wife's not here. I think she's in nursery right now. So thank goodness. But that's why I went. I went for the ladies. That was the plan. That was the goal. Get a summer girlfriend. And then I showed up and I heard the preaching. Service after service. Day after day, the Lord started pulling at my heart. And pulling at my heart and pulling at my heart. And then that last service, when it was all said and done, I I wish I knew who the preacher was. I, I really do. I really do just to thank him. But he started preaching about how there are lost people who need Jesus. Lost family members that need Jesus who are going to die and spend eternity in hell. And when that invitation came, it didn't take long. And I I made my way down and I knelt at an altar and I gave my life to Jesus. I remember my Uncle Jay, who's not here today, he he came and he sat with me. And he said, Michael, why do you want to surrender? Why do you want to surrender? And he just kept saying the same thing over and over and over again. To get my dad saved. To get my dad saved. To get my dad saved. You see, my dad and my whole family on my dad's side is Mormon. They don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I was raised Mormon. And that was the whole reason to get my dad saved. That's why I surrendered. But you want to know the amazing thing? Little did I know that when God was calling me to surrender, he wasn't just calling me to be a witness to my dad. He was calling me to be a witness to the entire town of Acts. All the way back then when I was 15 years old, God had a plan for me. God has chosen me to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ and to endure hardness. We need to reflect on that call. Man, right now, we're going through a good time in our ministry. We are blessed. We're at a high time, right? We had eight people get baptized on Sunday. 22 people joined the church this past Sunday. It was incredible. It was amazing. We're just seeing it time and time and time again. But we also went through some hard times. The last six months have been amazing. It's been a mountaintop, but I'm not going to lie, the first six months were really difficult. We saw very little growth. We took over a church with ten people. Three of them were deacons. I'll let you see the problem with that, (laughs) right? The church either had a terrible representation, representation in the community, reputation, or no reputation at all. And there was one particular family that, I hate to say this, but they hated me. They really did. They wanted nothing to do with me, and they tried to get me out as soon as I got there. They did not like me at all. And for the first six months, about once a month, this man would take me aside and chew me out for hours on end, telling me I shouldn't have accepted this position. I'm too young. 
I'm inexperienced. Uh, he told me that I shouldn't hang out with my father-in-law because uh, work and uh, family don't mix, something like that. Uh, I was called a liar. I was compared to Adolf Hitler, his words, not mine. I was called a dictator. And then about six months in, he tried to throw a coup against me to get me voted out as pastor. And I remember me and my wife, we went to a business meeting one Thursday night, fully prepared that I was going to leave not being the pastor of our church. I had bought a house there. I had been there. I dedicated my life there. And we went into that Thursday thinking that that was going to happen. Long story short, they decided to side with me, not that family. That family left. And after that, we started experiencing incredible growth. But, but during that time, I could not help but doubt I could not help but question, did God really call me to Akron? Did I make a mistake? Am I too young? All of those things. And the only thing that kept me going was going back to that call. The time I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I said, Lord, whatever you have me to do, I'll do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. I'm giving my life to you. I'm so thankful for that call. And the best part is, even when we don't believe... Even when there's times where we doubt, you want to know something? God doesn't change. Right? For the Bible says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. Right? We can be faithful today because of the faithfulness of Paul. We can be faithful today because of the faithfulness of God. But then number three, we can be faithful today because we have been counted faithful. You see, with God's calling comes his enabling, right? And you know the verse I'm referring to, right? 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, or 1 Timothy chapter 1, I should say. The Apostle Paul said, and I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who hath enabled me. For he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Hallelujah for that. God has chosen us to be a good soldier. God has called us to be a good soldier. And God has enabled us to be a good soldier. And again, that's what we see in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We've now come full circle. So Paul says in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. But then notice what he says a verse later. Look at verse number 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. We see the faithfulness of Paul, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. We see the faithfulness of God, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And then we see the faithfulness of us. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let me ask you, do you love his appearing today? Are you ready? Are you faithful? Well, then there's a crown of righteousness for you. Right? And we're going to take that crown and cast it before our Savior's feet. Hey, we can be faithful soldiers of the cross. And, and this is the point the Apostle Paul is trying to make here, right? He's saying, Timothy, I know you're scared. I know you feel incapable. I, I know you feel unworthy. I know you feel like you are going to fail. But Timothy, if you remain faithful, failure is not an option. There is a crown of righteousness for you. You can be the good soldier that God called you to be. And the same thing goes for us. From start to finish, it's all about faithfulness and remaining faithful. And if we truly come to God and, and we take heed to the faithfulness of God, 
We reflect on the faithfulness of God, how faithful he's been to us. And we take heed to Paul's instruction to endure hardness as a good soldier. At the end of our life, when it's all said and done, we can lift up our voice with a glad shout and we can say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. We can be faithful soldiers of the cross. We can be victorious soldiers of the cross. And we can be confident soldiers of the cross. I'll close with this. In a past issue of the Sword of the Lord, they included an article on the confidence and the conduct of a good soldier. I don't want to read this to you today. It's entitled, I Am a Soldier. And it says this. I am a soldier, a prayer warrior in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Spirit is my code of conduct. And faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in this army at the rapture or die in this army. But I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or be pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. I cannot have my feelings hurt badly enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I still come out even. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot hold me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me back from this battlefield, he'll promote me to captain. And then bring me back to rule this world with him. I am a soldier in the army. And I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier marching, heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.